While the president's speaking in uh, Pennsylvania right now, he's still live. Uh, I think he started a little late. So maybe we'll dip into the president a little later. Lots to talk about. There he is right now, live in Pennsylvania. Uh, lots to talk about tonight. Uh, president will uh, definitely try to listen to what he's talking about. But there's a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, and let's get right to it. Paul Nolan's going to be here with the news. Rick Delgado's got a what even is that? He's here. What's uh, what's your what even is that about? Uh, believe it or not, it's about Halloween. Okay, oh, very yeah. good. Rick Emirati's here with sports. What's going on in sports tonight, Rick? Hey, big day. We got a new addition. Tuesday night football. Bills are uh, trailing the Titans 14-10. to 10, And uh, NLCS braves the 3-0 over the Dodgers, top of the fifth. Okay, very good. Um, so here's what I want to know. Maybe the viewers can weigh in, especially those who are little older, certainly alive in 2013, uh, especially anybody who lived or visited Hawaii in 2013. I'd like to know how much crack was going around or what the sale on tequila was that everyone on the island must have been drunk when they elected <laughs> Maisie Hirono to the Senate. That's what I want to know. I want to know how much tequila was flowing on the island or spiked uh, coconut juice or whatever. Uh, when she got elected, because you had to have been just out of your mind to elect her, because she is a crackpot, plain and simple. I mean, <laughs> and she's not the only one, but she's the standout award-winning crackpot of the night, with closely followed by Cory Booker of New Jersey, uh, Feinstein, Leahy, White House, he's a beauty, Coons, Blumenthal, who lied, surprisingly, that's a shocker. But Maisie Hirono, it's almost, it's almost <laughs> indescribable. She takes the cake, doesn't she? It really is almost indescribable that voters, I mean, what were the choices <laughs> in Hawaii in 2013? Who else was running? I mean, what were the choices that you picked her? Yeah, you know what? That's a great point because I'm sure you could have ran a shoe. <laughs> and the shoe could have won. Here's Maisie Hirono questioning one of the huh? more brilliant people that I've ever watched, and I watched all day long. I mean, this Amy Coney Barrett is one of the more impressive people I've ever watched. Boy, she was good, wasn't she? I mean, there's so many ironies about the day that we'll get into, but one of them that I tweeted about was that Maybe other than a handful of people asking her questions, the rest of them wouldn't even pass her own class on constitutional law. <laughs> they wouldn't pass it. I mean, she is stunningly smart, sitting there at the table by herself. Without notes. With nothing. Yeah. With nothing. I Nine, love that she picked up that book. <laughs> it was great. We took some pictures. We had a cameraman inside. Do we have that first picture, uh, G, from today? Speaking of the... Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that part. That was <laughs> That's a good book. I like yeah, that one. So that I, I'm was, glad uh, she, she brought something to read to uh, take, take the attention away from the stupid questions she was getting. Yeah, that was on the pad there. So that was the first thing. So, all right, thanks, G. So anyways, <laughs> but I mean, so here's Maisie Hirono asking this unbelievably qualified, and we all know her background if you listen to her. Here's Maisie Hirono's line of questioning. Cut 25, G. Roll that. 
Uh, to ensure the fitness of nominees for a lifetime appointment to the federal bench or to any of the other uh, positions uh, for any of the committees on which they appear. Uh, I ask each nominee these two questions and I will ask them of you. Since you became a legal adult, have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual nature? No, Senator Hirono. Have you ever faced discipline or entered into a settlement related to this kind of conduct? No, Senator. That's the uh, senator from Hawaii today asking a Supreme Court nominee. Now, if you remember Maisie Hirono during the Kavanaugh hearings, maybe that's maybe she's hearkening back to her, her and her <laughs> colleagues back then, and she feels some attachment to that, so she has to go back to it. But, I mean, what kind of... Who, who acts like that? Well, what kind of question is that? To somebody who clearly we've watched all day talk about not only her background, her faith, her family sitting there, her kids have to listen to this crackpot ask if basically she's ever been a sexual predator, or 13, 11, and then these kids sitting right there. Well, what is that? <laughs> it's unbelievable. What was going on in Hawaii in 2013? That's my, my question for the night. And everybody can weigh in on social media. It was a good pot harvest. They just like what, I mean, everyone. I mean, was like big. mushrooms like hit the <laughs> island in 2013. That was like the big deal, and it was like, oh, let's go elect her. You know what? Maybe she was the only one that voted because everybody ran away thinking the volcano was going to erupt. Maybe that was the day that happened. Good I mean, Lord, ju- man. Judge Barrett is stunningly qualified for this position. Stunningly qualified. In any other time, other than living in this year, in this era of, this, of the, Dem- the Democratic Party, she would get 75, 80, I don't, I don't, it may be higher than that. Yeah, but she's not brown enough. You know, that's the problem. They're gonna, that's the, the, the identity politics they'll use at this point. But she was out, outstanding. I mean, and they kept on pushing on her feelings. She's yeah. like, my feelings have nothing to do with this. I'm really going st- right. to stick to the law. The Democrats were so all over the place today in their questioning because, number one, they were getting schooled all day. I mean, schooled from someone sitting there with no notes. And Kamala Harris, let me just say this. She's not qualified to even be senator. Never mind. She is the so many rungs below being ready to be a candidate for any off serious office. She couldn't, she's a former federal prosecutor. She couldn't get through three sentences without a binder in front of her. Here's this woman all day answering these questions and a lot of good questions from Republicans, a lot of nonsense from the Democrats. Although I will say, I'll be fair, Dick Durbin, I thought had a pretty good exchange with her. Pretty substantive. He's probably the only one that stood out to me. They got into some things where she really was able to get into some substance and go back and forth with them. Sheldon Whitehouse talked for 30 minutes. Do you know how many words um, <laughs> Amy Coney Barrett said back to him in the 30 minutes? Zero. Really? Zero. A big zero. Not a word. So it was just, wow. a, uh, it's just a big uh, political commercial? All of his charts and dark money and all this other stuff. Not a word to her. She never said a word. Uh, Blumenthal lied. Klobuchar got schooled. Yeah, I heard Klobuchar got, got oh. clobbered. Oh, my God. I saw Klobuchar and I saw Feinstein. Do, do you want to see this? Yeah. This is, yeah. Cut 30, yes. G. This is Klobuchar trying to be cute. I mean, it just, <laughs> you know, they, she leads in with, uh, you know, Ro, 
Roe versus Wade. Is this a is Roe a super uh, precedent? And she keeps using the word super precedent in her Oliver lead into this. And well, this is what happened when she actually asked a, a question of the um, the nominee. Roll that. Is Roe a super precedent? How would you define super precedent? I, I, I actually, I might have thought yeah. someday I'd be sitting in that chair. I'm not. I'm up here, so I'm asking okay, you. Okay, well, people <laughs> use super precedent differently. <laughs> okay. No. The way that it's used in the scholarship and the way that I was using it in the article that you're reading from was to define <laughs> cases that are so well settled that no political actors and no people seriously push for their overruling. And I'm answering a lot of questions about Roe, which I think indicates that Roe doesn't fall in that category. And scholars across the spectrum say that doesn't mean that Roe should be overruled. But descriptively, it does mean that it's a case, not a case that everyone has accepted and doesn't call for its overruling. I don't okay, think so that- here's what... Here's- Wow. Next. Remember I told you about the Seinfeld bit? The further up your face she goes, the more worried you are. Wow. She's like, oh, no. (laughs) The further she went up uh, up her head, the more worried she was. She's just like... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she had a she had to move her hand underneath her chin to keep her head up. Like, uh oh. Yeah. How would you define? Oh, uh, can uh, I just see the beginning of that because that is so freaking funny. I, w- I, I, <laughs> that was good. Once I thought I may be sitting there, but I'm sitting here. So I'm asking you because I don't know. One more time, G. Let's see the beginning <laughs> just, of that just clip. The beginning. Is Roe a super precedent? How would you define super precedent? I, I, I actually, I might. someday I'd be sitting in that chair. I'm not. I'm up here, so I'm asking you. Because I don't have a freaking clue. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What just happened to me? Oh, it happened all day on that side. It happened all day on that side. God, let's do this all night. I mean, but uh, Hirono and Corey book. Corey let's not Booker. do news. Forget sports. Let's do this all night. Just roll them. Corey, Corey Booker. Corey Booker should have had um, a red curtain that came in in front of him and then opened up when he came out and then came back and closed when he was done. That's what it should have been. He should have had a curtain. Like Looney Tunes? Or just drama? He could have had like real low music underscoring before he started and then the band strikes it up and he comes. I mean... He's like the court jester of the... It's like, what is with this guy? I, a, I didn't know if he was going to start crying or start screaming or start pounding his chest or start weeping, grab a pillow. I didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah, it was a one-man show called Moron of the Opera. <laughs> I mean, he, he is just so dramatic, so overly dramatic. <laughs> and, and he always sounds like he's gonna cry, right? Oh, always. <laughs> and he's got such <laughs> exactly, Trump, Rick. <laughs> he has such Trump <laughs> derangement syndrome. He always sounds like he's gonna cry, like he, yeah. like he's trying to summon up this incredible amount of passion. Twenty-seven G. There's just one little piece of it today. Roll that. Affecting our founding fathers about the originalism. It's remarkable that we're at a place right now that this is becoming a question and a topic. But I'm asking you. In light of our founding fathers, in light of our traditions. No, stop it. In light of every. I just want you to remember (laughs) that these people who sit up there all day and pontificate how much they love the founding fathers and the Constitution, (laughs) they are ready to burn it down at the first chance they get. It's so. And by the way, before we got to this exchange, do you know what his first question to her was? 
Do you denounce white supremacy? This oh, is somebody geez. who has adopted two African-American children. Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you denounce white supremacy? He asked her. She says, she almost looked like taken back a little bit. She said, uh, of course. And he, oh, well, very good, because the president of the United States has not been able to answer that question like you... I mean, it's just... Can you roll the <laughs> clip of, of, of him denouncing white supremacy on like 40 different occasions? That, that montage you did of Trump was just lights out. Well, let's, let's finish this clip because this is... So th that was the first question he had. Then it went to this. Go ahead. Respecting our founding fathers about the originalism. It's remarkable that we're at a place right now that this is becoming a question and a topic. But I'm asking you, in light of our founding fathers... And loud of our traditions, what? in light that everyone who serves in that office has sworn an oath where they, quote, swear to preserve and protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, I'm just asking you, should a president commit themselves, like our, our founding fathers, I think, have a clear intention, like the grace that George Washington showed to the peaceful transfer of power? Is that something that presidents should be able to do? Well, one of the beauties of America from the beginning of the Republic is that we have had peaceful transfers of power and that disappointed voters have accepted the new leaders that come into office. And that's not true in every country. And I think it is part of the genius of our Constitution and the good faith and goodwill of the American people that we haven't had the situations that have arisen in so many other countries where there have been, um, where those issues have been present. Thank you, Your Honor. Do you think that the president has the power to pardon himself for any past or future crimes he, have me, he may have committed against the United States of what, America? What kind of question well, Senator is Booker, that would be a legal question. That would be a constitutional question. And so in keeping with my right. obligation not to give hints, previews, or forecasts of how I would resolve the case, that's not one that I can answer. Well, I, I think I agree with you that it is an issue right now. Something I never thought would be an issue before, but it is an issue. an issue. TDS. So, well, yeah, it's it's so TDS. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It's so t. It, it's so tedious. By the way, on top of TDS. Yeah. It's so tedious. Like, what kind of questions are these? It's you know. Here's the point for all of them. It's like when they talk about Roe versus Wade. It's like when they talk about Obamacare, when he asks questions like this. It's just, it's just a big show for the cameras. It's all designed to try to help Joe Biden, to touch, to tug at the hearts, all these pictures. They're all very sad stories, and they have absolutely nothing to do with the conversations they're having. And it's, it's all meant to help Joe Biden, to tug at the heartstrings of people watching. And it's all a show. It, it, it's all a show. They know damn well all of the stuff about Obamacare, about Roe versus Wade. We talked about it yesterday. If it was to ever even get looked at, which I, I don't believe it ever would, it would just go back to the states. They all know all of this. How about they know that the Russian hoax is, is busted up? It's over. They all know it, but they keep on insisting that it doesn't exist. I mean, the, the evidence is incontrovertible. And they talk about the president is still going to get arrested, so he's got to pardon himself? I mean, this guy's a clown. Yeah, Jay, you can just stop it whenever you want to and start it again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's all a show. It's like, Ob it's like Obamacare. The individual mandate, as all of you know, was voted out of Obamacare. And when they did, that was the, that was the part that was really, they call sketchy. They all know that most likely, 
if this is looked at, especially the, the case coming up, that basically there's a very good chance because of the severability that they would let the rest, because that's now been severed and taken out, that the rest of the law most likely, we know John Roberts, the most likely it will stand. And they know this, but they just put on this show that, oh, millions of people are going to lose their health care. And this is, so, this is all about uh, Obamacare. And this is why it should be delayed. We shouldn't even be going through this. And it's not, this is not um, even a viable uh, nomination. And, and they go back to, again, about the president and uh, Merrick Garland. I heard his name a bunch of times today. <laughs> they refuse to even acknowledge what we all know, what we've all talked about, that that was a... Democratic uh, um, president in his final year and a Republican-held Senate. It's not the same here. We've talked about it. You try to talk slower so they can understand, but it never seems to work. So you've heard all of this stuff today, and it's just a show in the end. That's what it is. So, and it's... Um, but, I mean, she's, she's about as qualified... Is anyone I've ever watched? And I, I mean, I know nothing, but I know enough to know that, man, she is smart. Yeah, uh, I, I know even less than you, and I know enough to know that she's outclassing all of them easily. It's not even close. It's not even a fair fight. She's sitting there with a blank sheet. Nothing else. Nothing no, else. No, no, nothing in her ear, nothing, nothing up her sleeves. She's just smashing them over the head with her brain. Yeah. Hey, G, let's dip into the, uh, the president here a little bit. Can we dip in and hear what he's talking about? I'll see the president's in Pennsylvania tonight. And, uh, Bottom 50% grew nearly twice as fast as it grew for the top 1%. Hispanic family net worth increased by 64% in a short period of time. 64. That's a great piece of protest. We added nearly 600,000 manufacturing jobs, and we added 15,000 factories, and Obama said, you'll never produce manufacturing jobs. Remember, you need a magic wand. Well, we found the magic wand. We lifted 6.6 million Americans out of poverty, including over 1 million African Americans and more than 1.5 million Hispanic Americans. And we're doing great with both groups, and we love them. We love both groups. Thank you. Those are great numbers. After our tax cuts took effect, wages for the lowest income Americans grew twice as fast as those near the top. Think of that. You never hear that stuff. The big beneficiary were lowest income Americans. My policies have benefited those who need it the most. After the virus came in from China, and we had to change. We had to do things. This came out. It was a sudden, horrible thing. China should have never, ever let you it happen. put us happen. all up, G? They should have never let it happen. We've seen the smallest economic contraction of any major Western nation by far, and we've seen by far the fastest recovery of any nation. In the past five months, we've created a record 11.4 million jobs. That's American jobs. That's the fastest ever recorded. Yeah. Job growth has been 23 times faster than the first five months. Think of this. The first five months of the Obama-Biden recovery, 23 times. We cut unemployment rate in half under Biden. It took 30 months to recover more than 
Half the jobs lost in the crisis. We did it in five months. So we're talking about numbers that nobody can even believe. Home builder confidence has reached an all-time high. We're in a pandemic. Reached an all-time high. Manufacturing optimism has doubled. Consumer confidence, which just came out, has surged nearly 20 percent. And small business confidence is now higher than any time in the entire decade preceding my election. Think of that. And we're rounding the turn on a pandemic. We've spent the last four years reversing the damage Joe Biden inflicted over the last 47 years. He made every bad deal in the book. <laughs> and by the way, if you look at the H1N1, you know, he calls it the N1H1, right? I said, no, no, h Here's the way you remember, Joe. H comes before N. He goes, H1, whatever it's called. What was his name again? Uh, the senator. Maybe he was a governor. Yeah, Romney. Romney. Oh, that's right. It was Romney. It's amazing. You know, amazing. And he gets away with that stuff. You only see it. You know, you only see it on the Internet. They never report it. They never report it. They should report it. They're doing this country a great disservice by not reporting it. But Biden supported NAFTA, TPP, and China's entry into the WTO, which is one of the worst things that ever happened to this country. For half a century, Biden twisted his blade into the heart of the American worker. That should be front page news He should not be asking for your votes. He should be begging for your forgiveness. He did a rotten (laughs) job, okay? did a rotten job. That's a great line. For decades, our politicians spent trillions and trillions of dollars rebuilding foreign nations, fighting foreign wars, and defending foreign borders. But now we're finally protecting our nation, rebuilding our cities, and we are bringing our jobs, our factories, and our troops back home to the USA where they belong. done. (laughs) Syria, we're gone, except we kept the oil. Does anybody mind that I kept the oil? So we left some troops behind to keep the oil. With Iraq, we're almost out. With Afghanistan, 19 years in Afghanistan, 19 years. And uh, we're really serving as policemen. It's great to be policemen, but they got to have their own policemen. They got to do it themselves. But we're, uh, we're bringing them home. We're down to a very few number of soldiers. To save our auto industry, I withdrew from the last administration's Trans-Pacific Partnership disaster. It would have been a disaster. It would have destroyed your automobile industry and others. To defend our steel and aluminum workers, I imposed historic tariffs on dumped goods. Remember when they were dumping steel all over the place? You guys were getting killed. Saving those industries from total destruction. And frankly, had the plague not came in from China, but now they're doing well anyway. Had that come in, you would have had a steel industry that would have been at a level that nobody's ever seen before. But it came in, but you're going to be there anyway in a short period of time. Unless some stupid person comes along and raises your taxes by four times what they should be, which is what they want to do. I ended the NAFTA nightmare and signed the brand new USMCA into law. Everyone said that was going to be impossible. And I withdrew from the job-killing Paris Climate Accord. So nice of them to tell us that we can't use our energy. 
That was an accord. You know what that was going to do? Destroy our country. That's what that was going to do. Pi if you look at what has happened over the last very short period of time, the progress that this nation has made, you're not even going to believe it, and you're going to see it. And you would have seen it had the plague not come in, because it was all happening. We were at every single record. But now we're getting close anyway. The jobs are all coming back, and the market is almost going to be topping the market from before the plague, and it's pretty amazing, I will tell you. Biden has vowed to rejoin this horrible agreement, a death sentence for your state's energy industry, the Paris Accord. It's a terrible thing. Unlike Biden, I know my job is to represent Pennsylvania, not Paris. We're representing Pennsylvania, not Paris. Got a lot of nice people that can represent Paris. I took the toughest ever action to confront China's rampant theft of American jobs. You know that. We charged them so much. We gave a lot of the money to our farmers, $28 billion to our farmers, because our farmers were targeted. Everybody get your money. They did better without even growing anything, to be honest. But we got it from China, $28 billion. We had a lot left over that went into the Treasury of the United States. To defend American workers earlier today, I also signed an order to crack down on Chinese counterfeiters and merchants who sell their fake products all over the United States. They put the name Tiffany, Tiffany, it's got the blue box, everything. Tiffany, 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 isn't that wonderful? But it wasn't made by Tiffany. Biden will eliminate my tariffs on China. He's already said he's going to take the tariffs off China. There goes your steel industry. There goes your aluminum industry. There goes everything. Allowing them to plunder without consequence. The one constant in Biden's platform is surrender. He surrenders. He surrenders, whether it's uh, China, whether it's Cuba. How about Cuba? How about the deal they made with Cuba? How bad was that one? I ended it. That's why both China and the far left are desperate for a Biden win, because he will surrender our jobs to China. China will own the United States if that sleepy guy gets the position, okay? And you can forget about Pennsylvania. And you know, don't also forget, your streets will be surrendered to the mob. You know, Republican areas are great. They're doing great. The crime is at record lows, everything else. These are the Democrat, super liberal Democrat areas. Unlike sleepy Joe Biden, I will never abandon our nation, and I will never abandon its values. My goal is not to make friends in the D.C. swamp. My goal is to fight for you and fight for your family. In 2017, I proudly signed a historic executive order, making it official government policy to buy American and hire American. My opponent has put forward a radical plan to eliminate U.S. borders by implementing catch-and-release programs that I ended. You know what catch-and-release is? You catch a murderer, you catch a rapist coming across our border, and you release him. Catch, catch him, and release him. And you say, I'm sorry, three years from now, please come back for a court case. Nobody comes back. Imposing <laughs> deadly back. sanctuary cities and suspending all removals. They don't want any removals. This is what Biden agreed to with crazy Bernie Sanders. When you have people that are in this country illegally, even if they're murderers, if they're rapists, no matter what they are, you can't remove them. We've removed 
tens of thousands of people, including MS-13. If Biden wins, your borders are gone, which means your health care is gone, the middle class is gone, and your safety is gone. Other than that, you'll be doing very nicely. <laughs> Under my leadership, we achieved the most secure border in U.S. history, and we're finishing that wall. It's going to be built very soon. It's going to be finished. We're going to have the greatest celebration. That was a tough one. That was a tough one. Remember, they said, we don't need a wall. They wanted drones, you know, drones flying around, looking at the people pouring across the border. <laughs> they wanted drones. They wanted modern technology. You know what I've said often, right? There are two things that will always be around in a thousand years, in two thousand years. All new computers, all new everything. You know, you come up with a new computer, you come up with a new chip. Three days later, it's obsolete. I would not want to be in that business. But there are two things, a wall and a wheel, right? A wall and a wheel. In a thousand years, two thousand years, it's going to be here. We invested $2.5 trillion in the U.S. military and launched the first new branch of the United States Armed Forces in more than 75 years, Space Force. For our great vets, we passed VA choice and VA accountability. Nobody thought we'd ever get that done. We killed the leader of ISIS, al-Baghdadi. And we took down 100% of the ISIS caliphate. And when I took over, that caliphate was all over the place. It was a mess. We took out the world's number one terrorist and the mass murder of many American troops, many troops, many people all over the world. Qasim Soleimani is dead. Thank you. He's dead. I withdrew from the last administration's disastrous Iran nuclear deal, one of the worst deals I've ever seen. That's John Kerry. The guy was totally incompetent. That guy didn't know what the hell he was doing. <laughs> He gave him $150 billion, $1.8 billion in cash for nothing. I kept my promise, Oof, recognized the true capital of Israel, and opened the American embassy in Jerusalem. I also recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. 52 years they've been trying to get that. And instead of endless war, we're forging peace in the Middle East. You see the deals we made? I actually got nominated for a Nobel <laughs> Peace Prize. So press didn't cover it, but that's okay. No, it's up to five. Press didn't cover five it. Four. I have four. I think yesterday was another one. Wow. I got I nominated I for three Nobel Peace Prizes. <laughs> I did more in 47 months than Joe Biden did in 47 years, and that's true. Now Biden is pushing the most far-left agenda ever put forward by a presidential nominee. He's going to ruin your energy. He's going to ruin your state. The Biden plan would destroy Social Security and destroy protections for pre-existing conditions because there's no money. Biden's running mate sponsored a bill to outlaw private health insurance. We have 180 million people with great private plans. They want to keep it that way. They're going to outlaw them. They're going to get rid of them. Biden vowed to terminate our travel bans on jihadist regions and surge refugee admissions by more than 700%. He agreed to this. He said, that's okay. 
Let him come in. You know, I got the ban, right? Remember the ban? Remember it was a big deal. I got the ban. I said, if it's okay, we have unfriendly countries. If it's all right with you, they're not coming into our country. I got the ban. We won in the Supreme Court, five to four. I got the ban. He wants to give up the ban. He wants to let people pour into our country. 700% increase opening the floodgates to radical Islamic terrorism. I don't want to speak too much. Little wood. This is real wood. I don't want to speak too much, but you haven't seen too many things happening lately, have you? He'll ban school choice, charter schools, and Pennsylvania opportunity scholarships. In a second term, I will provide school choice to every parent in America. It's so important. A vote for Republicans is a vote for safe communities, great jobs, and a limitless future for all Americans. And in conclusion, and I love being back with you in Pennsylvania. So many incredible memories, Sterling. No, so many. What a night that was. Remember that night? Donald Trump has won the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Donald Trump. Remember how late they just didn't want to call it? They didn't want to call it. I said, call it already. If I lost it, we were at 98%. We were substantially ahead. If I lost every single vote, we still won. It took them like till two o'clock in the morning before they called it. In the meantime, Wisconsin came in, Michigan came in, but they just refused to call Pennsylvania. They just couldn't remember. They were crying and they were all screwed up. <laughs> Over the next four years, we'll make America into the manufacturing superpower of the world and we'll end our reliance on China once and for all. That's already happening. We'll hire more police. Increase penalties for assault on law enforcement, and we will ban deadly sanctuary cities that people don't want. We will uphold religious liberty, free speech, and the right to keep and bear arms. Your second pound those hearts and lights now, fans. Mm-hmm. No, it's beyond me. Let's pound away now. We'll strike down terrorists who threaten our citizens, and we will keep America out of endless foreign ridiculous wars. Yeah, man. We will maintain America's unrivaled military might, and we will ensure peace through strength. And by the way, we've rebuilt our military. I told you, $2.5 trillion. We have weapons and equipment the likes of which no country has ever seen before. We are the envy of Russia. We are the envy of China. We are the envy of everybody. There is no country that has what we have. And I will tell you, when I first came here, one of our generals, highly overrated, said to me, Sir, we have no ammunition. That's where we started. And now we have the greatest weapons anywhere in the world. And just hope to God we never have to use them. There you go, man. That's what it's about. We will end surprise medical building, require price transparency, which is already signed January 1st, it kicks in, and further reduce the cost of prescription drugs. And I'm talking about 50, 60, 70, 80 percent because of what I've done with favored nations. We're getting the lowest price, Mike. The whole world, we're going down, we're taking these nations, they pay a fraction of what we pay. I said, nope. Whatever they pay, I want to pay. Why are we paying more than any other nation? We're the highest. We're going down to match the lowest. The drug companies don't love me too much, just in case you (laughs) haven't heard. We will strongly protect Medicare and Social Security. We'll always protect patients with pre-existing conditions. 
I would like to see America will land the first woman on the moon, and the United States will be the first nation to land an astronaut on Mars. And we're very close. We will stop the radical indoctrination of our students and restore patriotic education to our school. We will teach our children to love our country, honor our history, and always respect our great American flag. And we will live by the timeless words of our national motto, in God we trust. For years, you had a president who apologized for America. Now you have a president who is standing up for America and standing up for the great people of Pennsylvania. It's very important. So get your friends, most important election we've ever had. Get your family, get your neighbors, and get out and vote. You got to get out and vote like you never voted before. Places that we won, like Erie, places that we won, you got to get out and vote. Because from Erie to Easton, from Pittsburgh to Harrisburg, and from Allentown to right here in Johnstown, we stand on the shoulders of Pennsylvania patriots who gave their blood, sweat, and tears for this beloved nation. God bless. This is the state where our founding fathers declared American independence. Think of what you have in Pennsylvania. No, think. Who, who could say that? This is it. What you've done here, what the, the history of this incredible place, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Think of what you've done. It's where the Army weathered its brutal winter at Valley Forge and General George Washington. Don't worry. His statues are not coming down. Okay. Imagine Biden remembering his Let his men on a daring mission across the Delaware and where our nation was saved by the heroes of Gettysburg. This is the place where generations of tough, strong Pennsylvania workers mine the cold, work the railroads, and forge the steel that made America into the greatest and most powerful nation in the history of the world. And you have seen nothing yet. You wait till you see what we're doing. Wait till you see what we're doing. We are making our country greater than ever before. Proud citizens like you help build this country, and together we are taking back our country. We are returning power to you, the American people. With your help, your devotion, and your drive, we are going to keep on working. We are going to keep on fighting, and we are going to keep on winning, winning, winning. And when your great congressman to come to see me, right? This great, what a group of warriors. I don't know with them. I'm not sure I can handle that group. <laughs> but when they come in to see me in the Oval Office, they say, Mr. President, Pennsylvania is not used to winning this much. We got to slow it down a little bit. <laughs> and I'll say, Mike, I'm sorry, Mike. You tell the rest of them, Mike, we're not going to slow it down at all. Pennsylvania wants to win more than anybody in this country wants to win. Pennsylvania is going to win. We're never going to stop. We're going to keep on winning. We're going to win so much, you're going to love every moment of it, all right?
Hey, you know what? You lost long enough, I can tell you that. Many years where your factories and your plants left because we had stupid leadership. Don't kid yourself. You lost for a long time, and now you're winning, and you're winning like never before. Open it up, Governor. Open it up. Because we're one movement, one family, one people, and one glorious nation under God. And together with the incredible people of Pennsylvania, we have made America wealthy again. We have made America strong again. We have made America proud again. And we will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you very much, Pennsylvania. Thank you. Get out and vote. Vote, vote, vote. Well, there's the president. Oh, here he goes. And uh, <laughs> time for his, Macho uh, Man. Time, time for maybe a little <laughs> dancing here. His dancing has really become uh, yeah. It's really become something here. I know. As yes. he continues to. <laughs> I saw the video yesterday. Yeah. The, the way the camera was panning on it looked there like he was moonwalking. There you go. There's a little bit. There, there he goes. Go. He's dancing. Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, there, I don't know. There, well, look at this. There we go. Oh, Not, really? He's uh, really. Someone's told him that this is a thing now because he's really letting loose now. He's... All right. All right. Now he's starting to look like a 70-year-old guy at a, at a wedding. <laughs> you know what? Nothing better than a 70-year-old guy at a wedding dancing, yeah. still loving life. That's a yeah. sight to behold. Who connects? Yep. You can leave that up, G. Who connects to the people? Uh, who connects to the people more than he does? Besides you, D? No. <laughs> uh, I mean, re- seriously, who connects to the people more than 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 he does and tries to and tries to when have you ever heard joe biden give a damn speech where he talks about the greatness of the country just when just go back and find the last one where he talks about the greatness of the country about the greatness of the founding documents about the greatness of the the things about this country that make it great you never never You, you think joe biden could talk an hour and a half no and go on script, off script, on script, off script, fluently through all of the positions. Hour and a half? Minute and a half. Hour and a half? Yeah. You couldn't do a minute. Seriously? An hour and a half? Seriously, me- what do you guys think the longest he could go for? I think they've got him timed at 23 minutes. Let's go back to Crazy Town 131, G. Let's, let's just juxtapose what we've just seen. Okay? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> As compared to the day Joe Biden had yesterday. Roll that. <laughs> If you may remember, I got in trouble when we were running against the senator who was a Mormon, (laughs) the governor, okay? And I took him on. You know, we have to come together. That's why I'm running. I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. (laughs) So vote! Vote! Visit iWill.com slash Ohio! Oh my God! Oh, you, should do the, you should do the crazy town of Pelosi right now, just that's, as like that's a, not as his, even, it's not even running fair. It's not even fair. I, I, I don't get it. I, I, again, I don't get it. Oh, no, he's up fifty nine points. Don't yeah. you know? Joe Biden is. He's up all, all over the place. And meanwhile, the president, as he talks about turning the corner, and I've got an article here that I want to get to uh from the new york times believe it or not talking about how we have turned the corner and some of the things that should be celebrated here that are not i'll get to that 
All right, live from Studio 6B. Glad you're with us on social media. Stay with us. We're not going anywhere. We're going to jump back on Real America's Voice as soon as the president's coverage ends. So stay with us here on social media. We're staying with you. President Trump is recovering from the coronavirus, and so is America. Together, we rose to meet the challenge, protecting our seniors, getting them life-saving drugs in record time, sparing no expense. President Trump tackled the virus head-on, as leaders should. I can't imagine that anybody could be doing more. We'll get through this together. We'll live carefully, but not afraid. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. From Studio 6B, 13 till the hour. Glad you're with us on social media. Great social media audience uh, tonight. Keep it going. Keep active. I'll be checking social media to see if anyone's weighed in on 2013, what was going on in Hawaii, (laughs) if all the tequila was just free, or if mushrooms hit the island all at the same time (laughs) when you all voted for Maisie Hirono. I I can't wait to figure out what happened there. Everybody got hit in the head with coconuts. Yeah, it must have been, because she's just a national embarrassment, as is... As are most of the Democrats who questioned uh, Amy Coney Barrett today, who was one of the more impressive people I've ever seen. So, uh, But it's time for sports, and here with sports is Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? Okay, Big D. Well, our audience has asked me to keep an eye on the ratings for sports, so I've been following Sports (laughs) Media Watch, which is a great site, gives you all the reports. And Major League Baseball, way down the division series. Through 14 games, the Major League Baseball division series has averaged approximately 1.67 million viewers across TBS, FS1, and MLB Network. Shocker. Down 36. 7% from the same number of games last year, which averaged 2.70 million. Uh, None of the other 10 division series games managed to crack 2 million. And last year, only two out of 18 total games did not crack 2 million. So people are not watching baseball, that's for sure, Um, amongst other sports. And right now, uh, speaking of baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers trail the Atlanta Braves 6-0 in the sixth inning. The uh, Dodgers are already down one game to none. And Tampa and Houston in the ALDS is just underway. And uh, looks like they're allowing some fans back in. In the Texas Arlington Stadium, but not in uh, Petco Park over in San Diego. Uh, 10,000 fans viewed the Dodgers game last night, um, uh, and uh, no fans in uh, in the LA uh, Los Angeles series. Okay, what else? All right, uh, one more thing. Uh, so, bonus uh, tonight, we got Tuesday night football. Right now, Tennessee is up 21 to 10 over Buffalo at the half. Okay. And uh, that's it for segment one. We'll get more in next segment. Okay, very good. Um, Paul Nolan, we have some. Well, let me get to this. I want to give you a little bit of this. Uh, Because I think it's that important. From the New York Times, experts confident. This should be the lead story on every uh, every network tonight. And, of course, it won't be anywhere. Experts confident the pandemic to be over far sooner than expected. Trump's efforts working with remarkable efficiency. A new report from the New York Times. New York Times? Correct. Indicates. They had no choice but to report. It's everywhere. (laughs) That experts have genuine confidence, quote unquote, that the coronavirus pandemic will end, quote unquote, far sooner than originally expected. And that President Donald Trump's Operation Warp Speed, the administration's efforts to facilitate and accelerate the development, manufacturing and distribution of vaccines, therapeutics and diagnostics has been, quote, working with remarkable efficiency. The report published yesterday 
comes with just over three weeks left in the presidential race between Trump and the Democratic presidential nominee, Joe Sleepy Biden. Events, quote, have moved faster than I thought possible. I have become cautiously optimistic, New York Times science reporter Donald McNeil Jr. wrote, quote, experts are saying with genuine confidence that the pandemic in the United States will be over far sooner than they expected, possibly by the middle of next year. The report noted that the U.S. was, quote, faring much better than it did during the Spanish influenza, which cost 675,000 American, uh, Americans their lives, adding, quote, the country's population at the time was 103 million. So that toll is equivalent to 2 million dead today. The report noted numerous positive developments that have come along uh, the way as the U.S. battles the pandemic. So that's just a little bit of this article. And when you hear the president talk about we're turning the corner, and we've talked about on this show before, yes, we can focus on just what the networks want to do is focus on death, 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 numbers, numbers, numbers. But why aren't we celebrating some of the things that the president has done to move heaven and earth to attack this? Something that's been much more ubiquitous than, as as Joe Biden would call it, N1H1 or the H1N1, which we know how he did. We asked Ron Klain how he did. We've played the clip for you. Pure fortuity that he didn't kill everybody back then. So we know how it goes. And the president has been saying this and saying this. We're turning the corner. We're turning the corner. And at every turn, all the Democrats want to do is try to tear him down, tear him down. He's gotten no credit. When when it's been good, it's been, okay, the governors did a great job. When it's bad, (laughs) oh, Trump's the one. Yeah, and then you got uh, Governor Cuomo out of New York. He he's going to be doing a book tour on how wonderful he did, which is insane because the only thing he's known for really is for killing a lot of people by sticking them into these old age homes. The report noted numerous positive developments that have come along the way as the U.S. battles the pandemic, ranging from the average age of those being infected being significantly younger now than at the start of the pandemic to nursing homes becoming better at protecting their patients, which of course, given what Cuomo, uh, Pritzker, Newsom, Murphy were doing, they had no choice but to get better or everyone, everyone would have been killed in these long-term care facilities as these governors were stuffing positive patients back into them. Sometime in the next three months, health experts say the FDA is likely to be uh, granting approval to vaccines now in the works despite the chaos in day-to-day politics and the fighting over issues like masks and lockdowns. Which, again, we talked yesterday about the fact that all of a sudden the 2020 hindsight here from people like the WHO is quite stunning. It's unbelievable. What is that? 32,000 doctors and epidemiologists and healthcare officials all signed the petition saying the lockdown is the worst thing that we could be doing. I wonder where they were on March 17th when Dr. David Katz well, put they, out his article. Well, they were being blacklisted. Everybody who came out and spoke out against it was automatically labeled, uh, you know, a conspiracy theorist, a loon, yeah, you know, flat, a, flat earther, you, you know, know everything. No, they, they, they don't believe it, in they science. were labeled instantly. Dr. John Ioannidis from Stanford, where, where were they on his article? Erickson, Erickson was, uh, you know, a self-serving animal for what he said when he, you know, he got blacklisted. Uh, Dr. Zelenko on our show sends, you know, what, 1,200 or 1,400 patients successfully treated with the exception of two elderly people who came in with late situations. And what did he do? He sent all his information down to St. Francis. 
one of the best univer- one of the best hospitals on Long Island. Yeah, you know, Dr. Every, Simone Gold, endless too, evidence. Right, Dr. Simone Gold and her whole group. Again, yep. not that not that any of these people had everything 100% right, but they weren't even listened to. They weren't even asked. And when they were screaming from the rooftops, Dr. Gusecki, I played for you on this show, he said there is absolutely no proof that these kind of lockdowns, draconian moves are going to have any real-world effect on, other than not overloading the hospitals, which, fine, that has its place. We all got that. That's why I think 15 days to flatten the curve is where we started this. Now it's day 204, I think, whatever it is. So we all understood that part of it. But there was doctor after doctor after doctor saying, you know, maybe maybe we just shun the people who we know right now are most danger. And uh, the young and healthy, as the numbers started to come in, to say that this was something they could deal with. We don't have to shove everybody under their kitchen table. Yeah. I mean, look at the president. He's a perfect example. I don't know about you, but uh, uh, comparing what I saw tonight to what we saw maybe two or three weeks ago, he seems even more invigorated. He seems like he's got more energy. He seems, he seems I don't know, he seems healthier. Maybe like than, a guy who's got all kinds prior, of good intel. Prior to the, uh, to the infection. I don't know. What did yeah, you say, Paul? Maybe he seems, seems like a guy who might have some really good intel uh, and a lot of good news that uh, all these corrupt politicians and deep state guys are, are going to be busted. Yeah, maybe it's a combination of uh, getting better and uh, a little rest and, you know, a little uh, sunlight, you know, shining on things that, that have been uh, hanging over him for the last almost four years. Well, next, this- next news segment, I got a new poll about what Americans think about the next lockdown. So, All right, we'll get to that. Uh, lots more coming up. If you're on social media, stay with us. Live from Studio 6B, I'm Real America's Voice on a Tuesday night. from studio 6b on a tuesday night on real america's voice glad you're in we spent a lot of the first hour listening to the president he was in pennsylvania tonight and he was great (laughs) and uh we spent before that talking about the acb hearings today or abc hearings today amy coney barrett acb i was right the first time damon um and how great she was and how embarrassing the democrats were specifically Maisie hirono um sheldon whitehouse uh, Cory Booker and um, just the rest of them. But I mean, specifically, I mean, Maisie Hirono, just, they're just not serious. You know what it is? They're just not very serious people. I just don't know how you take them seriously when we all know, well, maybe not all of us do, and that's what they take advantage of, right. that this is just all a show. It's all a show. They know all the deal on, on Roe versus Wade, on Obamacare, even on pre existing conditions. Is there any senator you've heard on either side of the aisle talk about not um, not being uh, 
in a position to take care of pre-existing conditions? Any of them? Of course not. Nope. And if it came down to it, they would just pass pass a law basically saying, no, you got to cover pre-existing conditions. And that's it. It's over. But they just dramatize everything because they feel like either you don't know or you're not going to do the research. Well, that's the thing. They're counting on you not knowing. So you'll believe what they tell you. That, uh, it's the same way with the news. The news is counting on you not going past, you know, the first paragraph in a story well, then, or, or, or really looking into something. They're, get, they're praying that you don't, you just, you just listen to them. Well, didn't we go over that Dr. Burks had said something about the reporters wanting them to start giving more facts in the first three paragraphs because there was a study that the average American will not read past three paragraphs of any article? Like, so she was asking, please stop sending out this information by putting out the, like the, this info in the top part of a story and, you know, following it up with facts at the end. So, yeah, it, I, I think I remember, like, I think I remember that story. I just didn't get past the first paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> All funny. right. Well, that's a good segue here. It's time now. Speaking of Mr. Delgado, who thinks he's funny <laughs> that was uh, great, <laughs> to do one of my new favorite segments here on the show. And that, of course, is what? <laughs> Even is that <laughs> great. All right. Well, I think you'll all be able to join me on this one because it is now official. Yes. California is literally the worst place to live in America. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. According to an ABC News 7 report out of Los Angeles, the L.A. County health officials have released guidelines for Halloween this oh, year God. to m- include in- uh, restrictions of some of the holidays most basic traditions which ones well i'm glad you asked that because <laughs> according to this there will be no door-to-door trick-or-treating nor <laughs> trunk or treating either whatever that is i guess children are allowed to collect candy from car to car uh, is that even a thing i guess in hollyweird it is but whatever <laughs> um also you're not allowed to have parties even if it's outdoors you can't go to carnivals there's no festivals live entertainment or haunted houses basically no fun allowed yeah so what is allowed uh, who even cares i mean what even is that how can you cancel halloween yeah so let me get this straight, okay? For all you cancel culture panty wasters out there, <laughs> just because I need to no, wrap my brain around your stupid L.A. logic, this is okay after yeah. the Lakers win the championship. Sure. But, but this, well, this isn't, this is uh, not okay at all. I no, mean, seriously, you just can't cancel Halloween. If anything, you should be encouraging it, especially during a pandemic. I mean, let's see. As for precautions, not sure if you've been trick-or-treating in a while. But here's the scoop, Karens. Wearing a mask, huh, is required. It's the only time I won't actually mind wearing one. <laughs> and same with just about anybody else. As a matter of fact, most of the masks are way more effective than what this guy is wearing. <laughs> I mean, Halloween makes the most sense. I mean, it has all the earmarks of the perfect thing to do in a pandemic, yeah. even when there's nothing else to do. So let's go through it, and I'll prove, prove to you my point. Like I said, masks, okay? Check. Goes without saying. You got a mask on. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, food, packaged and protected. Yeah, check check out the candy. It always comes wrapped. You never eat open candy. Yeah. What else? Uh, what else does Halloween offer? Oh, no contact curbside pickup. Yeah, 
You just put a basket of candy out there, kids come up and grab it. Again, big check. Plus, there's ample use of cleaning products, i.e. shaving cream. <laughs> yeah. Also, liberal amounts of toilet paper always available. I mean, it's almost, I don't know, as if it grows on trees, right? Yeah. And, of course, even a healthy <laughs> amount of what they call social distancing. Let's face it. And, of course, if you think someone could be infected, I think it's safe to say if you see one of these people coming your way, you should probably get out of their way and avoid any contact whatsoever. I mean, it's going to be the safest thing for you to do. All right. So the bottom line is with a 99.7 survival rate and almost zero mortality rate when it comes to kids, the scaredemic is not the biggest problem parents are going to have this Halloween. So there's no need to cancel it. I mean, aside from making sure your kids trick-or-treat safely, we all know it's the costumes that will cause you the most grief. You got to make sure it's cool or your kid won't want to wear it. And you got to make sure it's something that your kids isn't going to get stuck in one of those crappy homemade, ooh, hashtag costumes. Awesome. So for this Halloween, plan ahead. Make sure you know where your kids are going to be so that you know they're safe. Always check the candy and especially keep your eye out for these fun size Crackle and Mr. Good Bars. That stuff will rot your brain, <laughs> which is why you should give them to me because I'll eat them. Yeah. Um, oh, and if you have a daughter who's in that age range where they want to start dressing, you know, a little risque, Ooh. let them know up front that all the sexy nurse and cop costumes, unfortunately, you went looking, they're all out. And the only thing you could find her was this. <laughs> Yes, she could dress up like sexy Joe Biden costume, complete with jorts. <laughs> Guess who's not going to her first high school Halloween party this year? Can't unsee that. All right, Rick Oof. Delgado with what even is that? Yeah. That's a real picture of Joe, I think 2009, I believe. Yeah, that was a nice uh, T-bird he had, too. Yeah, very white good. One. White so. ones are rare. My retinas hurt. <laughs> you can't, can't unsee old Joe. Man. Uh, well, you can say the same thing about watching them now, too. You can't unsee it and you can't unhear it. Uh, I'm running for the Senate. Uh, all right, let's do some news here. Uh, very good, Mr. Delgado. Let's you. do some news well with Paul done. Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Well, Nolan? at this point in time, it is better for American uh, to lock down again until the pandemic is completely behind us, or is it better to find a way to move forward by adapting to ongoing nature of the pandemic. And that's the question of the Just the News poll by John uh, Solomon and Rasmussen. And uh, is it better for America to lock down again? 33% said yes. And uh, is it better to find a way to move forward? 57% say yes. So the majority is uh, saying uh, we got to move forward and 10% not sure. Um, Those are the people probably still wearing masks alone in their car (laughs) with the windows open. 33% 33% say lock, lock down? Yeah. I mean, this is brainwashing works. We should open a network. I mean, I don't even understand that at this point. Given everything we know, given all of the uh, measures you can take, wearing a mask, as much as some of us don't like it, you do it either out of courtesy to, if you're around older people, you visit your yeah. uh, grandparents. And I mean, I wear it all the time when I go places. I, I don't wear- like it. I wear I my like MAGA. It. I wear my MAGA mask yeah. to be polite so I don't, you know, offend people. Keep your hands clean. And, don't uh, touch your face. So we know all these things. I mean, people who are in that danger zone, if you've got parents in your 70s and uh, grandparents in their 80s or 90s, we get all that. But, I mean, who is 33% saying that they want to go hide under the kitchen table and shut everything down again? the people with TDS. Yeah. 
it's, it's the TDS crowd. It's probably those people that are believing everything. Like, because, because it's amazing how many people that, you know, you, you might go on your social media and be like, and you're scratching your head like, does somebody, because they're, they're believing everything. They're not getting past that first paragraph like we were talking about, Paul. They just read it and, go, ah, and exactly. they run under the table. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, right? All right, what else? So, um, according to Just the News, I think we have a clip. Um, 31. It says, uh, not up for the job. Former White House doctor says Biden lacks mental capacity for presidency. Oh, no, we don't have a clip for that story. We have a clip for the FBI story. Oh, okay. But anyway, this one is uh, uh, when, you know, when Senator, when Senator McCain was running for president in 08, questions about his health, health physical and mental. Um, so well, they were aware that if he died in office, uh, president uh, would go to Sarah Palin. So uh, the, the doctor who and the former um, presidential uh, physician. Physician, yeah. Yeah, he said that uh, Q former uh, White House physician, Dr. Ronnie Jackson, who held a prestigious post from 13 to 18, serving both Trump and President Obama. Jackson on Tuesday said Biden does not have the mental capacity uh, to be able to handle the presidency and commander-in-chief job. He is not up to the job. Uh, I've watched Biden on the campaign trail. I'm concerned that he does not have the mental capacity, cognitive ability to serve as commander-in-chief. He routinely gets lost in the middle of thoughts and can't recalibrate. Yeah. I actually don't even practice medicine at this point. I'm retired. He's running uh, for Congress, I think. What's that? Ronnie Jackson's running for, I think, Congress. Yeah, he is. for him. In Texas, right? Yeah. And uh, the physician said, uh, obviously, I've I've seen a little bit about the issues of cognitive ability and how they start. I'm not making a medical assessment, but um, I know, uh, and I've never taken care of Vice President uh, Biden, but uh, I'm not going to remotely diagnose him with anything. I'm just saying that as a concerned citizen, we can all see something's going on here. Right. So he won't be Dr. Bandy Lee. Uh, who irresponsibly told us without seeing President Trump that he uh, had all kinds of issues. So he won't do that. But Dr. Ronnie Jackson's not the only one to comment on this, by the way. Uh, Joe Biden's former, I believe, stenographer has also come out and said, you know, I've been with this guy forever. And um, I'm concerned in the, with the change I see. He's He was on Laura Ingram. He's been on all kinds of shows. I think he has a book out. And he yeah, says, he does I, have a book out. Yeah, yeah it came out he, last month. Yeah, and he says, um, I'm c- very concerned with what I see. This is a guy who used to, this is one of the things he got annoyed with. He said, we'd spend, we'd spend days and hours and weeks sometimes on speeches, and Joe Biden would get up, no teleprompter, and go, and go all totally off script and everything we spent all time. He'd never even get to it. So now he can't get off the teleprompter, which, by, by the way, let me say again, uh, Kamala Harris gives Joe Biden hope and luck that he could go out and give speeches for a living get, compared to how she does. I mean, she today was so married to the binder, she couldn't even get away from it for five seconds. And still in, uh, ineffective, by the way, ineffective. And we, and we got a, I'm speaking today, I don't know if you guys saw that, to, to the judge. I'm speaking. Oh, no. oh, no. oh yeah. So, yeah, we got again. one of those moments today. Karen. So, Karen. Well, I don't have time, but I want, there's a couple what, of clips we'll get to yeah, uh, of Amy Coney clip. Barrett today as well. But anything else quickly in the news, Paul? Well, nothing really quick, but I do want to get to that Clinton Foundation story with the IRS ruling. Okay. So, we have, I think with the, I forget, we have a clip of John Solomon today as yes, well. 31. We'll play. 
Yeah, we don't have time right no, now, next but one. we'll get to that as well. Plus, I want to get to um, Mark Levin wrote something today that I want to read you. And everybody, I'm going to post this on all our social media. You should copy it, print it out, and mail it to all your friends. Or at least read it to them over the phone or whatever you have to do. I'll give you that as well uh, coming up. Do you choose liberty or do you choose tyranny? Sounds like live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night, Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. If you're on social media, stay with us because we'll stay with you. just normal people talking about the issues the way the american people talk about them around their dinner table i think that's why people like the show we don't take ourselves too seriously we give them news opinion sports comedy entertainment music but most of all we try to give them love of country faith and family every night we think political news is a big tent come on in live from studio 6b 8 to 10 weeknights you might like it From Studio 6B. <laughs> Look very serious in that video, that commercial, now that you I do, watch it right? back. Oh, come on in. You might like it. Uh, <laughs> it almost sounded a little bit yeah, scary. Hey. 17 past the hour. Come on in. Come on in. We got candy. Wow. Um, so this is important stuff. As we talk about this election, as three weeks from today. Three weeks. That's crazy. What, where, what country do you want to live in? Uh, so this morning, uh, Levin put this out. For most of us, there are few, if any, opportunities to demonstrate our devotion to this great nation. Those among us who join the military or law enforcement and protect us from foes foreign and domestic are small in number. Yet we have the power to determine our own fate and the fate of our nation by the simple act of voting. And in a precious few days, we, the people, will decide for ourselves, our progeny, and for the rest of time, if America will remain a vibrant and free constitutional republic, the likes of which the world has never known, or whether America will become just another nation in decline, going the way of Athens and Rome, but in a shorter time. This election will decide, we will decide, if we wish to live in freedom or tyranny, in sunlight or darkness, in prosperity or poverty. The choice could not be starker And the choice is ours. We must ask ourselves, what will our children and grandchildren think of us? How will history judge us? What would our ancestors say of us if we so casually and without duress turn aside mankind's greatest achievement and vote for a thousand years of decline, gloom, and doom? Each successive generation must commit to ensuring that the next generation lives free. We must reflect on the uh, selflessness of which Americans have sacrificed and died on battlefields throughout the world and in our own revolutionary and civil war so that we might appreciate what we have inherited, a country in which we live and flourish in a civil and open society. As I explained in Liberty and Tyranny, the book which sits uh, right behind me on the shelf there, too often, Liberty makes its... Uh, makes its manifestations elusive 
or invisible to those born into it. Even if liberty is acknowledged, it is often taken for granted and its permeance assumed. Under these conditions, the statist agenda, that is the Democratic Party's diabolical plans, can be alluring. It is not recognized as an increasingly corrosive threat to liberty, but rather coexisting with it. But all liberty-loving citizens should know better and should be alarmed by the, uh, by the ascent of tyranny, not only in the Democratic Party, but throughout our culture. Nor should we be confused or taken by the various nomenclatures designed by the Democratic Party to deceive us into believing that their movement is some kind of people's movement, such as democratic socialism. Like all such movements, they ultimately rely on the iron fist to control the people, not to serve the people. As I previously noted, the Democratic Party's presidential nominee, Joe Biden, who has perfected the politics of deceit and manipulation, veils his pursuits in moral indignation, intoning in high dudgeon uh, the injustice and inequities of liberty and life itself, for which only he and his party can provide justice and bring a righteous resolution. And when the resolution proves elusive, as it has during his 47-year political career, he demands ever more authority to wring out the imperfections in mankind's existence. Mm. Hence his 110-page Marxist manifesto. Unconstrained by constitutional prohibitions, what is left but Biden's own moral compass, which has already led him astray. He is never circumspect about his own shortcomings. Failure is not a product of his beliefs, but merely want of power and resources. Thus are born endless rationalizations for seizing ever more governmental authority. Consequently, the Democratic Party's uh, intention is to destroy the Supreme Court by packing it with uh, ideologues. The expansion of the U.S. Senate to create a supermajority, one-party Democrat rule, the elimination of the filibuster, rule to crush any opposition to the Democratic Party's lawmaking agenda and the elimination of the Electoral College in order to prevent millions of Americans outside the big cities and most populated states from participating in the electoral and governing system, thereby ensuring Democratic Party dominance for decades. In short, the fundamental transformation of America from a constitutional republic to a Democrat Party leviathan. We must never accede to the terms of the economic and political surrender and servitude. We must never abandon our children and grandchildren to a dark and bleak uh, future. We must never accept a fate that is alien to the legacy we've inherited from our ancestors. We must never accept social engineering by politicians and bureaucrats who treat us like lab rats uh, rather than self-sufficient human beings. For those who choose tyranny over liberty and vote for Joe Biden and the Democratic Party, they do not speak for the tens of millions of us who revere the principles undergirding our society and appreciate the fruits of our economic system, nor do they get to dictate to the terms of our existence as they contort the Constitution and the law to accommodate their political ends. We must not be compliant to their demands and designs. We must vote Vote for President Trump and the Republicans and rally our family, friends, co-workers, and neighbors to vote for President Trump and the Republicans. And we must, like our forefathers who founded this magnificent country, become active in our own survival.
That from the great one today. Yeah, well, that, that about sums up everything. I've been screaming from the rooftops <laughs> for the last seven years, eight years here, and people tell me, you're crazy if you think communism will come to America. All right. Uh, Rick, Glad what I you- was right. I mean, that's, that's, you know, if that doesn't smack you in the face and, and get your attention as to uh, really what this election is all about. And I know we hear it from the president. I know we hear it from other you know, people across, um, you know, as far as conservative media. But I mean, that really encapsulates it all because it is that important. I mean, when you think about the isolation of power that he's talking about one one party rule look at california look at look at uh, uh i mean illinois look at new york state look what happens when de- demo- democrats rule an entire state those states go downhill quickly and they people just can't see in scale yeah. people only see the micro they can't look at the macro they just they, when they're thinking politics they're never thinking anything's happening outside of their local politician right. these they, things are happening so far beyond it this the, the the interest and the way they tie in with one another it's yeah and, and, and it's it really so, starts at the local local level and people don't realize that well, that's it's what like you, you know that changes. those state legislatures and those small town mayors, all that stuff eventually it goes upwards towards the uh, towards the towards the capital and I'll tell you this, this year is like any other year, because in a normal year in South Carolina, would I be losing sleep to see Lindsey Graham go away? Absolutely not. This year, it's not, it, 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 this is a straight party line kind of year. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be. Absolutely. Mitch McConnell, what, I mean, please, but not this time. There's it's, no time for it. You know, it's a scary time in the world when you're actually rooting for rhinos who you wished were gone forever. That's correct. I mean, that is absolutely it. That's the point this year. Every single race we can win, we need to win. Because what the other side is telling you, America they want to do. Over. They're telling you America is over. Well, that's what they want to do. But so many people like it, uh, look at the state of Georgia, which is, you know, kind of kind of vacillating back and forth. But a lot of people are thinking, well, it's not in my backyard. They're looking at New York and California. Eh, you know, it's not going to hurt me. It's coming. All right, more to do. I got some good clips from the uh, hearings today. We'll get to when we get back live from Studio 6B. Rick and Rowdy will have more sports. We'll do it all when we get back. Social media, hang with us. Should the Supreme Court be expanded? Uh, you know what, let's, I think that, well, first of all, Joe's been very clear. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, where they don't. Saying? I'm not going to play his game. I am not, and I, 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 I know you're going to be upset with my answer. Oh, no, they don't. Saying? I'm not going to play his game. Voters have to wait until November 4th to find out how the vice president and yourself feel about that. What you think about doing that? Well, Joe Biden has been very clear. No, they don't. I'm not going to play his game. They'll know my opinion of court packing when the election is over. And if you haven't figured it out yet, the straight answer is they are going to pack the Supreme Court. I don't know who um, I don't know who smacked her down worse, Pence in that debate or Amy Coney Barrett today. 
as she's in there married to her book. I mean, it's just that she is so unprepared for any of this. It's just scary that anyone looks at her and thinks that she could uh, well, be, be president. You God know what? I, I, I think what we're looking at is someone who has kind of gotten by on doing just enough and using her looks and her and her charisma and uh, you know uh, you know wink wink in the eye sometimes if she needs to to get somebody's attention and, and kind of move around that way. I mean, and that let's soothing voice. Yeah, because because when she was on the campaign trail, she failed horribly. So in small doses, I bet she's great. But you know, it's like uh, <laughs> like oh, what? Like I'll second? bet you. Oh. I will bet you on that. She's not good in any dose. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. No, like she's, she's like small she's like one piece of candy corn. You can have one, but if you grab a handful, you're like, ah, I can't eat too much of this crap. All right, so Pelosi, um, <laughs> crackpot Pelosi, who we've uh, highlighted here the last two nights with our crazy town, was uh, on with Wolf Blitzer. And they're talking about trying to get a coronavirus. And I told you, she has a gun to the head of the economy. And she's playing politics with people who need help. And did she cry wolf? And you can't cry wolf <laughs> in a theater, according to her. Remember, the Constitution doesn't say that. <laughs> the Magna so here, Carter doesn't so, say that, Damon. So listen the Magna to, Carter doesn't say that. <laughs> so listen to this exchange. When you start, again, I, I said this on the court packing thing. When you start losing MSNBC... And people like that, your argument could be in trouble. So here's Nancy Pelosi with Wolf Blitzer. Watch this. We're talking about the consequences of a pandemic, that the symptoms of a problem that the president refuses to address. But you know and that is and that is the coronavirus. We know that we, is we the know coronavirus. The problem out there, but there are millions of Americans who have lost their jobs. They can't pay the rent. Their kids need the food. That's right, and that's what we're trying to get done. One point eight trillion dollars, and the president just tweeted, "Stimulus, go big or go home." He wants even more right. right now. So why that's not? Right. Why not work on that's a deal right. with him and don't let the perfect, as they say here in Washington be the enemy of the good. Well, I will not let the wrong be the enemy of the right. What's wrong with $1.8 trillion? You know what? Do you have any idea what the difference is between the spending that they have in their bill and that we have in our bill? Do you realize that they have come back and said all these things for child tax credits and earned income tax credits for helping people who have lost their jobs are eliminated in their bill? Do you realize they pay no respect to the fact that child care is very important for people whose children cannot go to school because they're doing remote learning, and yet they minimize the need for child care? which is the, is the th- threshold with which people, mothers and fathers, can go to work if they have that. Do you have any idea of how under, that's precisely uh, why, Madam short their that, concern? That's why it's so, it's so important right now. Yesterday I spoke to Andrew Yang, who says the same thing. It's not everything you yeah, want, but, you know but what? there's you, a lot okay. there. Honest to God, you really, uh, I can't get over it because Andrew Yang, he's lovely. Rokana, he's lovely. They are not negotiating this situation. They have no idea of the particulars. They have no idea of what the language is here. I didn't come over here to have, so you're the apologist for the Obama, excuse me, God forbid. Madam Speaker, I'm I'm not an apologist. I'm asking you serious questions because so many people are in desperate need. 
need we, right now. Let me yeah. ask you this. Okay. When was the last time? Let me, you, let me respond well, to you. Let me ask you. When was the last time, Madam Speaker? When was the last time you spoke with the president? <laughs> you know what she's it's almost like she goes you don't understand the particulars that right. my deep state cohorts want out of this deal right. to right. deconstruct this country more than it already has been plus uh wolf what what she should have said is well wolf what i'm trying to do is bail out the i'm trying to bail out the blue <laughs> states wolf and he won't give me that money that's what it comes down to yeah she's lying about everything else she's yeah. just a she's just a pathological liar oh yeah and she has no idea what's in the bill uh, so so what she's trying to tell wolf is that she's read it and she knows exactly what the republicans are throwing back and yeah. saying we're willing to do this she hasn't looked at it she doesn't know what's in there she took she's making Kana. it up she took ro Khanna and andrew yang threw him under the bus then backed the bus back up over him and then ran over him again on her on her way out yeah and she's just making stuff up the president has called her bluff and put more money on the table than most conservatives would probably want him to, given the debt deficit spending and everything. But the president knows that people need help. And she is playing, she is blackmailing with pork and having yeah. a gun to the head of these people and the economy and all of this, playing politics with it. And as Wolf Blitzer rightly points out, I'll give him credit, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. It's like when he put the when he put DACA on the table. Same thing. Prison reform. Yep. Same thing. All of this is the same. It's always politics with her. Yeah, and, it's and remember, always politics. And remember, with DACA, it was one million more than what they wanted. They wanted eight hundred thousand. He offered one point eight million people, and they said no. So you know, it wasn't about you know helping out those people because she left them. She's like, eh, I don't care. So that's that's how she plays the game. She it's a zero sum game for her. Either she gets what she wants, or nobody gets what they want or need. Well, so I mean that's that's a stunning exchange. I mean, I almost <laughs> yeah, felt bad honestly. for Wolf Blitzer for for her. I mean, the, well, the, first the talking first. down of the media personality at CNN. I'm I'm not apologizing ever for them. They deserve. Right. I mean, but I mean, this, this is the this is the second in line to be president. This is the Speaker of the House uh, talking down to Wolf Blitzer like that as if she, like, how about make an argument? Tell us, what, 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 what was that? She Again, wasn't who behaves remotely like that? accepting of his challenge. Like, yeah. she is so used to everybody just rolling over for Queen Pelosi. She cannot handle any form of dissent, any kind of pushback. She's just, this is another example of someone whose power is so go, go, far gone to the head. They, they're oligarchs. They they won't be talked like that by, by one of their jesters. Right. Yeah. You're just a wingman. That's exactly Get what it is. Get back in line. Yeah. Kiss, kiss the ring. Yep. And Jeez. ask me something where, where, where you don't interrupt me and don't ever interrupt me again. You know after that, she probably got on the phone with somebody and said, make sure he never interrupts me again. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. Because like you said, Paul, she is, she is the oligarch. Yeah, she's she, probably like Hillary. You, she's queen. Yeah, Hillary, it's me, Nancy. Right. Can you kill Wolf for me? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Can you kill Wolf? Well, you can't do that because he's a former CIA. He knows the deal, remember? So. I have the uh, um, credentials. Oh, is he? Oh, I got them. That's what you guys told me. I oh, yeah. Him. All right, I let's get it. back to... Let's get to the court I packing. I want to get back to the court. I got stuff to oh, get why, to here. By the way, why didn't Trump court pack during this whole time when uh, Beta was alive? Like, what? He could have packed the courts, couldn't he? He could have, uh, you know, he could have added two more, right? He could have packed the courts through from from 2016 to now, couldn't he have? 
Well, they say he is by filling open but, seats. But of course, but we know he's not. But yeah, they had the Senate. Would, would, would anybody in this room except Trump, if he was court packing? I know I wouldn't. Well, he would. He would never do that. I know. He was, I don't think he's into burning down the institutions that the country's founded on. But that's what I'm saying, though. The left doesn't care about that. They're doing the exact things Erdogan did in Turkey. The same thing that uh, Chavez did in Venezuela. It's the same thing. Only the Democrats would do that. So there's a couple moments from the hearing today, uh, speaking of court packing, but let's get to this first one. Lindsey Graham, I don't know what he did the first five minutes, gave a political speech. This is um, 21G. But then right towards the end, he asked uh, Amy Coney Barrett about how it feels to be nominated for the Supreme Court. This is one of my favorite things, exchanges from her all day. Roll that. How does it feel to be nominated for the Supreme Court of the United States? Um. Well, Senator, I've tried to be on a media blackout for the sake of my mental health, but, you know, you can't keep yourself walled off from everything. And I'm aware of a lot of the caricatures that are floating around. So I think what I would like to say in response to that question is that, um, look, I've made distinct choices. I've decided to pursue a career and have a large family. I have a multiracial family. Our faith is important to us. Um, all of those things are true, but they are my choices. And in my personal interactions with people, I mean, I have a life brimming with people who've made different choices, and I've never tried in my personal life to impose my choices on them. And the same is true professionally. I mean, I apply the law. And, and Senator, I think um, I should say why I'm sitting in this seat in response to that question, too why I've agreed to be here, because I don't think it's any secret to any of you or to the American people that this is a really difficult, some might say excruciating, process. Um, and Jesse and I had a very brief amount of time to make a decision with momentous consequences for our family. We knew that our lives would be combed over for any negative detail. We knew that our faith would be caricatured. We knew our family would be attacked. And so we had to decide whether those difficulties would be worth it, because what sane person would go through that if there wasn't a benefit on the other side? And the benefit, I think, is that I'm committed to the rule of law and the role of the Supreme Court in dispensing equal justice for all. And I'm not the only person who could do this job, but I was asked, and it would be difficult for anyone. So why should I say someone else should do the difficulty if the difficulty is the only reason to say no, I should serve my country? And my family's all in on that because they share my belief in the rule of law. Wow. Wow. Oof. Great answer. I mean, the Democrats were so overmatched today. I mean, it was just, I mean, stunning. Stunning. No notes. Just knocked them out of the park all day long. Dealt with the nonsense of most of the Democrats. Although, again, I'll give credit to Dick Durbin. I thought he had a pretty good exchange with her. Uh, Richard Blumenthal is one of the more reprehensible people I've ever watched. And he's a liar. <laughs> yeah, that's per, that's pair two. I, I think we have one for, uh, go to the next one. This one's for Paul and uh, Rick. I think we took this one, G. Oh, no, that's our friend Michael Knoll's book, Reason to Vote for Democrats, which, of course, it's, it's 50 blank pages or whatever it is. There are no reasons. There's the one for Paul and uh, 
Paul and uh, Rick. <laughs> we took that one today, so I knew you guys would like that's, that one. See, now that's a good one. Yeah. I, I could see, she, she probably had a, a Sharpie, and she was drawing that. <laughs> a very nice, very nice penmanship. Yeah, so... Uh, you, know what's, you know what's great about her? The, the more you listen to her, the, the more it sounds... I mean, considering she first in her class and all, all the accomplishments, she sounds like somebody you could just have a normal conversation with. Yeah. And she would treat you just like a normal person, not look down on you like, do you know how smart I am? Yeah, that's the kind of beauty that's just from the soul outward. And you know that she's gonna she she, she's gonna be a Supreme Court justice, and still at home, her kids are gonna give her crap about no, mom, you're wrong. And she's gonna how can I be wrong? I'm a Supreme Court justice. Um, But yeah, but but that's just what makes her a normal normal person. She mentioned that today, by the way, when they kept trying to hammer her on um, her position on these cases, and she said uh, she was talking at one point about how. Even her and Scalia probably wouldn't have agreed. She said, "Even, even my my kids don't agree with some of my opinions." <laughs> I mean, so uh, I mean, she she was just. I thought she was stunningly good. All right, live from Studio Six B. Glad you're in. We'll do a little more sports. I've got a couple of things to get to on a Tuesday night on Real America's Voice. The American people, when they turn on the news. They want just the news. Spare me the talking points. I think people are sick of the freak parade on cable TV, night in and night out. People are consuming news these days everywhere, on every device. And we're going to be there. We're going to be fair. We're going to be fearless. We feel like we have a responsibility to you, the American people. News and opinions that are honest and real. Real America's Voice. Hi, live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice on a Tuesday night. Glad you've been with us. Good show so far. President took up a lot of the first hour, but he was great as he always is. Let's do some sports here with Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. I want to thank Rick D for giving me this little news door in the show. And then my phone blew up that Le'Veon Bell of the New York Jets has been released tonight due to his unhappiness with his role. So the 0-5 Jets woes continue as they let Le'Veon Bell go, who was a huge free agent just a few years ago. So very interesting. And um, 0-10. Football in New York. Oh, and <laughs> 10. It could go. It could no. be 0 oh and 32. No. Yep. It absolutely could. Giants what are we going to label this thing? We're going to label it like the, ab- the Trevor Lawrence Bowl. I call it the Trevor Lawrence Bowl, Paul. The <laughs> Abhorrence for Lawrence. Oh, that's right. They're going to play each other, I guess, right? So they can't be 0 oh and 32. I don't know. One in 31. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, and speaking of football, Tuesday night football special edition due to the COVID reschedule, the Titans are blowing out the Buffalo Bills 35-16. to 16, So it looks like the Titans uh, will continue to be undefeated and the Bills will fall, fall to 4-1. I thought the and- Bills were good. Bills are good, but they they're getting good. hammered tonight. Um, American League Division Series, Game 3. Astros still leading the Rays 1-0, bottom of the third. And in the National League Divisional uh, Series, uh, well, actually, National League Championship Series, the Braves were up 7-3 over the Dodgers in the bottom of the eighth. And ESPN, layoffs are coming. Sports Media Watch reported oh. that uh, front office jobs <laughs> at ESPN are preparing to lose <laughs> an, between 300 and 700 layoffs. Most wow. is behind the scenes, but there could be some front office jobs as well. Why and aren't they? Aren't they making so much money in their wokeness? Yeah, yep. 
Not looking good. Uh, layoff news comes the same uh, week, which was last week, that uh, Sports Center anchorman Keith Olbermann, who seems to really become unhinged, uh, uh, he's, he's very the, he's got it together. Uh, yeah, he's, he's very sane. He's very bananas. sane. Um, and in PGA news, Big D, uh, number one ranked golfer in the world, Dustin Johnson, has tested positive for COVID nineteen. He was experiencing symptoms. They tested the thirty six year old, and he will not be in the uh, tournament this weekend in Vegas. Okay. So, uh, and uh, lastly. Uh, the Tyson Fury uh, Deontay Wilder fight that was originally scheduled for December 19th, rescheduled from a, a date in July, is now off altogether. Tyson Fury is completely furious with Wilder in his camp, and he's going to look to fight a top 15 challenger in England. So. so that big rematch will hold off until next year. Okay. And that's, that's a wrap in sports, thankfully. All right, very good. Um, so That's your segment. What do you mean, thankfully? Yeah, what do you mean, thankfully? <laughs> well, he's getting crucified lately. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, well, yeah, you sound like Joe Biden. Don't yeah. vote for me. Fifty-six well, percent of the people like you, Rick. So that's they shouldn't watch sports. No, they can't. listen. We got a lot of sports fans. They want to hear more about NASCAR. Paul's got a friend who wants to hear about barrel racing. I mean, we got plenty going on with uh, rodeo. We're doing a good job. I thought about doing a little entertainment with Sabri still out, but uh, Hollywood—they don't love that either. So I'm gonna have trouble no matter where I go. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. You you know page what? six or deep six. You never had a chance, you poor son of a gun. Yeah. Thirty-two G. So this is the. Um, not so esteemed former attorney general, I don't know how, of Connecticut, and then he's a senator. Again, I don't know what's, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I started the show by asking what was going on in Hawaii in 2013 when they selected Maisie Hirono. Just a national embarrassment she is. Blumenthal's not any better. He lied about being in Vietnam. So listen to him today with um, ACB. And again, how smart is she to, to pick up on this with no notes? And she could tell something was fishy right, off the, right out of the <laughs> gate. Roll this. Your opinion in Cantor goes farther than Justice Scalia and Heller. In fact, you characterized it as kind of radical. It is, in effect, an outlier. And look at her. You could, she could tell right it away. It is, in fact, radical. Huh? Did I say it was radical in the opinion? I think you said, Thanks. quote, it sounds kind of radical to say felons can have firearms. That's a direct quote. No, oh, that I is didn't not a that direct particular quote. language. So he lied. You can. I, I, I'm, can not, I'm not, uh, I just well, you, don't recall it, but you were I'm right. not <laughs> nitpicking about it. We can look it up. That, that, oh, that's fine, See? Senator. What do you mean, I, look I, it I don't up? think you're making you should it, have it up. Right there. He just no, said it's a direct I, I'll quote. I'll check it and look it up. But Liar. I know that's not the thrust of your question. It sounds anyway. kind of radical because it is radical. In fact, uh, no courts of appeals except maybe the Seventh Circuit has adopted this reasoning. The Third Circuit, I think, has a rule that's... So she went on to school his ass again. I but wish he, you could have seen the school. He's a liar. So he lied. He looked down and said it's a direct quote. It's not a direct quote. He was making that up. Yeah. Wow. Because then he followed up with, well, we can look it up. What do you mean? Look it up. You have it right in front right, of you. Right. You just said it's a direct quote. You looked right. down and said it's a direct quote. And then 30 seconds later, you said we can look it up. So it's not a direct quote. And that's why she looked like, mm, I'm pretty sure I remember almost about everything I've ever written. And I don't recall you. And she said it right away. Did I use that? And she was right. Well, he has the kind of face you want to smack. Oh. Oh, yeah. This guy's just. 
So let's get to one good thing here. I thought this um, Mike Lee exchange, I don't know if we have time for all, but we'll play a little as much as we can. 23, G. Roll that. 33. Mike Lee. Does the Constitution say anything about the size of the Supreme Court? Um, the Constitution does not. Uh, that is a question left open to Congress. Uh, it's my understanding that it's been nine for about 150 years, but that's as a matter of statute, not constitutional requirement. So it's statutory. It's a statutory uh, decision, one that stood for uh, more than a century and a half. It's a decision, nonetheless, that uh, uh, has some bearing, could have some bearing on constitutional issues, correct? Um, insofar as there would be more decision makers on yeah. the court? If, if we abandoned uh, the longstanding historical practice and tradition of having nine justices, could that have an impact on the way the three branches of government interact with each other? Possibly, but it's difficult for me to imagine what specific constitutional question you're asking. And of course, of course. if there were one, I could opine on it. Of course. There are strong reasons, I believe, why over the last more than a century and a half, we've left that number at nine. Uh, as you point out, there's nothing in the Constitution that requires it. Uh, we could come up with any number we wanted. There does have to be a Supreme Court and such inferior courts as we choose to create. Uh, but it doesn't specify the number of seats that can be on there. There are nonetheless good prudential reasons, reasons having to do with respect for the separation of powers between the three branches of government. Reasons that have, over the last 150 plus years, left us to leave that number at nine. The last time, as far as I can tell, there was any serious effort to move the number above nine was in the fall of 1936, when President Franklin D. Roosevelt got tired of this so-called four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, a few members of the Supreme Court who were consistently voting uh, against his agenda and sometimes joined by one or more other members of the Supreme Court. He got particularly tired of this, and so he proposed packing the court. And let me explain what I mean by packing the court here. What I mean when I refer to this is increasing the number of seats on the Supreme Court and doing so by statute with the intent of altering the composition of the court for short-term political gain. That's good, G. That's and that's exactly what what's on the docket do. now with Joe Biden. Notwithstanding the fact that he had a... G, uh, that's good. And that's exactly what's on the docket, which is why he's bringing it up, and we'll finish this clip tomorrow night. But it's time to stop asking Joe Biden if, and it's time to start saying when, because that's what he wants to do, and we should just stop asking him at this point, because he's not going to answer it, and we all know the damn answer anyways. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders. Thanks, everybody, on the show. Good what even is that, Rick? Thanks, Rick Emirati. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks, Real America's Voice. Most of all, thank you. The Live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m., right here on Real America's Voice. See you then.